Okay, First Peter, First Peter chapter three. We shall read from verses seventeen to twenty-two. Right, seventeen to twenty-two. Reading: For it is better if the will of God be so that ye suffer for well doing than for evil doing. For Christ also hath once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit, by which also he went and preached unto the spirits in prison, which sometime were disobedient, when once the long-suffering of God waited in the days of Noah, while the ark was preparing, wherein few, that is, eight souls, were saved by water. The like figure whereunto even baptism doth also now save us, not the putting away of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience toward God, by the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who is gone into heaven, and is on the right hand of God, angels and authorities and powers being made subject unto him. May God bless the reading of his word. Let us all turn to God in prayer. Our gracious, loving Heavenly Father, we thank you for gathering us safely into thy house once again. We do ask for your mercy and your kindness, O Lord, to look upon us and to cleanse us and wash us of all our sins. Lord, we know we must have sinned against you in many ways today, even through the week, in our thoughts, in our actions, Lord, in our very deeds. We ask for your um, mercy to show us that we may constantly repent of our sins and bear the fruit of repentance. But Lord, tonight we do ask that you remove all tiredness and wandering thoughts and help each one of us, not just to understand your word, Lord, but be convicted of it and have a desire to obey you at all cost. And Lord, we do pray that you be in thy house tonight to feed your sheep. Lord, increase our love for you, increase our devotion towards you. And Father, we do pray for concentration and understanding, and may your Holy Spirit be our teacher. For we ask for all this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, the last time we were here, we, I think, studied from verses 13 to 17, all right, about the Christian suffering for righteousness. And look at verse 17. It says, For it is better if the will of God be so, that ye suffer for well-doing. So the Christian must understand one thing. And I hope that you do not get deceived by many modern-day Christian Christianity, which seem to feel and teach that Christians will not suffer. Become a Christian. There is no suffering after that. You enjoy life. God will bless you all the time. But here, God's Word tells us that sometimes, look at verse 17, it is. It is the will of God. If God's will be so, so God's will can be so that the Christian suffer on earth. All right? And not only that, verse 17 reminds us, for it is better. Can you imagine? The world always says, any suffering is bad. Any suffering is evil. Any suffering is um, not good. But here, God's word tells us, for it is better if it is the will of God. If it's the will of God that you live, when you live godly, 
when, when you obey God, that you suffer, then it is for evil doing. In other words, you disobey God, then you suffer. Of course, that is, you deserve it. But when you obey God and you go through difficulties as a student in school, God says it is better, better. So is it always better not to suffer according to God? As long as it is His will, as you obey Him, it is a good thing. Okay, so that is a summary of the previous lesson. Now, let's, let's look now. We want to, by God's grace, learn some lessons from the following verses tonight. Now, let's begin with verse 18. For Christ also has once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, and so on. Now, question number one, all right? Question number one. Now, remembering that they are under tremendous persecution, how is it possible for them to feel and act as God told them to? How can I obey such a command? Now, God tells the Christian that suffering can be part of our life. Can you accept that? Think of them. Remember, we are studying about these Christians. At that time, they lived under Nero, and they were emperor, the emperor, the very wicked emperor, and he would kill Christians um, indiscriminately. He would burn them and use them as street torchlights. He would accuse them falsely and just simply um, throw them into the lion's den for entertainment. All right? So Christians at that time, when you become a Christian, that is what you expect to go through. Are we going through that now? I don't think so. Maybe one day, I don't know, when there's persecution. But the question is this. Now, they were under tremendous persecution. How is it possible? How do you think? Because many of them remain faithful. And what is the encouragement from Peter, from God's word? Now, one day will you suffer? Let me ask you. Because you think, all right, you think, well, I'm not going to be thrown into lions. Then they don't do these things nowadays, right? They don't do that. Um, they don't, they can't indiscriminately imprison me, um, torture me, burn me. They can't do that. So, well, do I suffer? Maybe I ask, do you suffer? Uh, starting here. No. No, all right. CP? I guess suffering in terms of like, um, let's say there's a gathering and there's alcohol Alright, so maybe you're gathering with your friends and then they, have, they do things that as a Christian you don't want to participate in and you know it's sinful. Then in that sense, some suffering. Right? They will maybe ostracize you, they mock you, they laugh at you. Um, they make you feel very uncomfortable. Right? Yeah, so we do. We do in a sense. Now don't forget, all right? so it's not just that physical torture. Now sometimes they use emotional torture as well. On these people and in fact as they go through physical torture they do feel it all right they do feel all the emotional the sadness um, being 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 um, um, wrongly accused they get frustrated so Christian can get frustrated do you get um, accused for things that well just because you're a Christian they jump on your beliefs and then they make a big deal out of it and make life very difficult for you so we do we do go through suffering, all right? Maybe next one, Jemima, do you? What other things do you think, actually, as Christians today, we do go through it? Mm, perhaps 
what you do? Is it just being mocked for like the decisions you make? Like for example, like observing a Sabbath day? Mm-hmm. All right, like on the Lord's Day, you they said, oh, let's go out, let's have this activity, the activity, activity and all. But he said, no, I do not want to join. I want to go to church. I want to serve God. It is the Lord's Day. And then they seem to think you're strange. Maybe even your own parents. And I said, I want to spend the day with God. I want to go to nursing home. I want to um, go for the afternoon Bible studies. And then your parents... They make life very difficult for you. They get angry at you. Yeah, that's an example. But what about losses? Next, Janelle. Losses? Yeah, okay. Any suffering? Um, I think when you try to share the gospel to your relatives, but they like, turn back and mock you. Alright, you share the gospel with your relatives, they turn back and mock you. Remember the days when we used to go to the city to give out tracts? They take the tracks, some of them they throw it, throw it at you, alright? Some they throw it on the floor, if they're kind, if not, some of them just throw it at your chest, alright? So yes, so in that sense, there are those. Now, last one. Mm, I guess if you own a business and you don't operate on Sundays, you could like, potentially miss out on. Alright, losses. You own a business and you say, well, I'm a Christian, I do not want to open shop. On Sundays, I want to um, spend the Lord's Day for the Lord, keep the Sabbath, and then, yeah, you, look, you suffer financial losses, alright? You don't make as much money. Sunday is a good day to make a lot of money, for example. Now, likewise for them. So, besides the physical suffering, now, if you don't think about yourself and what you can potentially go through, you might just ignore passages like that. Now, what about this? Think about this. Is it also... A denial of the flesh you have to deny your flesh because as you live among your friends there are temptations you might well under pressure or you yourself might like and want to do sinful things with them maybe even not maybe not sinful but well you want to just waste your time with them like them right just do nothing and then you have to deny your flesh you know it's deny your flesh Isaac what's deny your flesh Right, your flesh wants to do something, but you know it's not godly to do so with your friends. Then you have to deny it, alright? So you still have to persevere and say, no, I must not be part of this. There is a struggle within the Christian also, alright? So many of these things go through our lives, even as young persons. Now, so question number one, how is it possible for them and for us to feel and act as God wants us to? How is it possible? Now, maybe just a quick one, from what you remember, from what we've studied. You go through your school days, you go through, or some of you coming out to work, and you go through some of this. Now, what must fill your mind whenever you, are, you want to give in to temptations, you don't want to deny your flesh, or you just don't want to go through all the mockings, you just pretend that you hide that you're a Christian at, at school or something, alright? When you go through all this, what, would, what must you think about? What would keep you going? Hazel. Um, At least from what we've learned so far from First Peter. Yeah, um, we are and Very good. Number one, we are strangers and pilgrims. Alright? 
So Peter is reminding them, you are strangers and pilgrims on earth. Just expect, alright, so some of you have just joined us. Now if you turn to chapter 2, chapter 2, alright, look at verse 11. Now let's just read verse 11, it's a central key part of um, the learning. Chapter 2, verse 11, reading. Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts, which war against the soul. Then after this, he gives this whole long um, encouragement and um, list of how the Christian should live. You see, fleshly lusts, warring against the soul, that is part of your struggle as well. Now when you go through all that, or even physical um, trouble for being a Christian, actually let me ask you, over here as well, anyone actually go through physical persecution as a Christian? Anyone? Physical suffering? So far? No one? Oh, alright, quite good. Thank God for that. Next week we will ask one question. Um, then what must we learn? Okay, so back to here. So number one, we are strangers and pilgrims. So the Christian must always go back to this reminder. This world is not my home. Okay, so that's one, very good. Now what else have we learned that, that would help you and remind you? Um, I'll, I'll jump, well I'll just go down actually. Um, um, Elaine? Say again? Our hope is in Christ. Which verse is that? Okay, while you look, now what do you mean by your hope is in Christ? Alright, your salvation is in Christ. They can't take away your eternal life from you, right? They suffered, they would be killed. But what would stir them to continue? Well, what's the worst that can happen? I die and then I will go to heaven, correct? That is the worst that can happen, but actually it is the very best that can happen to you. Alright, okay. Um, next, Hichung. Um, when we think about how Christ suffered and, uh, unjustly, um, it helps also us when we are in such situations. Alright, well the verse itself tells you in verse 18, Christ has once, hath once suffered for sins, the, unju the just for the unjust. Right, the reminder of Christ's example. Right, the reminder of Christ's example. In fact, before this, he also alluded to that. Now, if you look at chapter 2. Now, chapter 2. Let's read verses 20 to 21. Alright, 20 to 21, reading. For what glory is it, if when ye be buffeted for your faults, ye shall take it patiently? But if, when ye do well and suffer for it, ye take it patiently, that is acceptable with God. For even hereunto were ye called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that ye should follow in his steps. Now here is the Christian's reminder. Every time you face persecution or um, difficulties in school being a Christian, and you feel like compromising, you feel like giving in, alright? Maybe you need to make a choice and it's very difficult if you choose as a Christian. Now here, the reminder in verse 20 is this. For here unto ye are called, you were called. For even here unto were ye called. What is calling? 
Calling means God actually appointed this for you. The Christian must realize that God calls us. God does call us. Now, look at verse 21. Because Christ also suffered for us. Now, Christ was called to suffer for us, which is what was mentioned. Suffered the just for the unjust. Christ was called. But so is the Christian. Christian, you cannot live a Christian life and think, only Christ suffers. I don't suffer. I have nothing to give up. I enjoy whatever I want. I don't deny my flesh. I do whatever I want. I should not need to suffer. But God says you are called to suffering. Now, not only that, verse 21, leaving us an example that you should follow His steps. Now, remember remember when we study this, this word, is the meaning is mimic. God says that Christ is an example for us to mimic. We are mimickers of Christ. Now, Christian, if you say, I want to be Christ-like, I want to be Christ-like, in other words, you want to mimic Christ, do you realize that part of being Christ-like is not just, well, being holy, godly, unrighteous, just, well, of those things you must be. But to be Christ-like, He left an example for you to mimic that you should follow in His steps. Suffering is also enduring suffering, enduring temptations, enduring losses because you're a Christian is actually part of being Christ-like. Please remember that. So whenever you feel that, well, I'm not suffering, right? So most of you say, I'm not suffering. But even when, Christ, when these Christians went through all this, they had the temptation to give in to the flesh. They had the temptations to, to say, I, I just deny Christ, and then I can get my home back, I can get my family back, I can get my freedom back. I just deny Christ, I can do what I want. They have that temptation. Christ also in the Garden of Eden, not that He would have obeyed His flesh, but even Him. He said, well, if this is not my will be done, but let your will, Father, let your will be done. You see, Christ never gave in to the fear of His human flesh. Right? He always submitted to the Father's will. So likewise for the Christian. Now, are you going through some temptation as a student? Maybe you feel that, well, um, this is holidays. I want to do what I want, go where I want, and uh, maybe do some things with my friends that I know as Christian, as a Christian I should not do or should not be at. Now, denying the flesh, Christ denied His flesh. That is an example for us. Maybe you are at the point in your Christian walk where you say, I've had enough. Alright, enough already. I'm fed up of church like BPCWA. So serious. So goody, goody. So it must be holy. Must be consecrated. I have enough of that. I just want to be like other Christians well, Christ can say that too. I don't want to suffer as the just for the unjust. Why must I do that? I'm God. The Christians that were going through this, they could also say the same thing. E- enough already, enough. You know, my, my child got killed in front of me. And my arm got cut off for being a Christian. Enough already. Why must I be so holy and follow, follow God? Can't I just be like the other Greeks at that time? Go to the temple as well, as well as go to, uh, go to the heathen temples as well as worship Jehovah. Why, why can't I worship the world and love the things of the world as well? Now all these are part, part and parcel of the Christian being Christ-like. Part and parcel of the Christian denying the flesh. 
whenever you feel that is welling up in you. How did they go through that, you ask yourself? Well, they want to be mimickers of Christ. They remember that they're strangers and pilgrims on earth. They are not going to live like the people of the earth. They are not going to um, enjoy the sins of this earth. They are strangers and pilgrims. All right, so there are many reminders as we go through this, and I hope you remember. Okay? Now, um, the other thing is this. Now, maybe one day, maybe one day, you might go through real suffering. Okay, real suffering. Maybe one day, it can come from the home. Maybe it come, comes in school. Maybe it comes when you come out to work. Alright, where for doing what is right, you get bullied in school. Now, anyone get bullied? No, most of you are in Christian schools, right? Um, you get bullied in school for being a Christian. Even your teacher pick on you. Even your teacher picks on you. Now, remember when I first became a Christian when I was 16 years old? <laughs> you remember, right? I was 16 years old. And, um, well, I shared the gospel with my classmates. And I told you before, one of them, he started to mock me all the time. And he would take my things, my, my erasers, my pencil case, and he would write graffiti on it, right? Do that kind of things. I remember once when um, a teacher, uh, my literature teacher, now she's actually an extremely good literature teacher, right? I, 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 I got a very good um, grades in my Cambridge exam because of her. She's extremely good. But once she made fun of Christianity, right? And well, I had to say something as a Christian. I, I couldn't just keep quiet. Um, so she was asking me to answer a question. So I'm not saying that your teacher says something, you must stand in class. I happened to be asked, I was standing, and she made fun of Christianity. And I had to, well, very humbly, very um, respectfully um, correct her understanding about Christianity. Now, after that, she gave me a very difficult time, right? Very difficult time um, in school. Now, maybe one day you'll go through that. Maybe come out when you come out and work, something happens, okay? Now, the other thing that the Christian must remember is this. Now, if you look at chapter 3, alright? Look at chapter 3. Now, look at verse 12. For the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. Now, the Christian must remember that God knows. All right? God sees, God knows, number one. Otherwise, you may feel very alone. You may feel like maybe even God doesn't understand. Now, number one, God knows. Now, number two, it says, the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. Meaning to say, now, this is God, the all-powerful, infinite God. Now, God, can God remove the trials? Can God remove the trials? Can God kill, give, give the Emperor Nero a heart attack there and then, and Nero dies? Can God do that? Of course, God is infinite in His power and life is in His hand. God can remove all this. Look at verse 17. For it is better if the will of God be so that you suffer for well-doing. Now, when you suffer for well-doing, when God says, it is the will of God, meaning to say, God can 
God can deliver you, God can remove that problem, whatever it is. It may be a health problem, it may be a financial problem, it may be a difficulty um, that someone is causing you. Whatever it is, it is God's will. means God allowed it. Now, until the Christian is very clear in his heart or her heart, God allows things sometimes. Sometimes God does allow things when we live obediently. Now, how does this help? It helps to know that it is not that God cannot. It is not that God does not know. It is not that God um, has lost track of you. It's not that God does not know what to do. But simply that God says, it is better. It is better. There is some spiritual good for you that will come one day. Maybe not even in this life. Maybe when you get to heaven. But when the Christian, besides remember your strangers and pilgrims, remembering that you have eternal life, remembering that um, we are to be followers of Christ, all this, when you remember that, well, God is all-powerful, He can stop this, He can heal me, He can remove this financial difficulty, He can solve this problem. That He did not, He has a good plan. I'm excited about it. Otherwise, you won't go through it. Otherwise, you will feel that uh, this, this, this will be a loss. I should compromise. I should give in. I should f- be part of my friends. Maybe your friends ostracize you and become a Christian. You become a Christian. They don't really talk to you much anymore. God says, it is better. If you are doing it in obedience to me, it is better. Lord, you understand and you say it is better. It's very comforting to me. It's very comforting to me. Now, actually, if you look at chapter 3, verse 1, right? Chapter 3, verse 1. Now, likewise, you, has, you wives be subject unto your own husbands, that if any obey not the word, they also may without the word be warned by the conversation of the wives. You think if this situation where this woman is married to an unbeliever, she became a Christian after marriage, and it's an unbelieving husband, and the unbelieving husband gives a very difficult time. Now, it's easy for her to give in. It's easy for her to just compromise. The husband says, go to the Greek temple with me. If you go to the Greek temple, you can go to your church as well. Should she compromise? Well, she must remember, God knows. God is able to change the husband's heart, but God did not. God is able to change my parents' heart. God is able to change my teacher's heart. God is able to change my boss's heart, but he did not. When I obey him, well, if he doesn't, it's not because he cannot, he doesn't know, but because he said it is better for me. You can go through it with joy. Why can these Christians go through such severe persecution? Because Peter explains to them it is better. All right? So this is how you can go through things. Now, maybe you feel that, well, I'm really not going through all this now. Well, I hope that this still rem- is, a, is something that will remain in your heart. Gracia, is life very difficult for you now? At your age, things are very nice, right? Daddy and mommy shields you and takes care of a lot of things, right? They may be going through difficulties, but they won't tell you, right? right? So, you're a happy life. You're having a happy life. But you still need to pay attention because one day... Now, God says that they that will live godly will suffer persecution. You will face it one day, alright? I hope then this is something that you remember. Now, what about this? Nothing bad happens to you, and then life is very good. Now, what about if God allows an illness? 
that is very severe. Now I have friends, um, even in um, secondary school, well, this is your high school, they get cancer. All right, I've known of Christians in churches, um, young teenagers, uh, teenagers, young to, towards young adult in university get cancer. All right. Now, what happens if one of those days these things happen to you? Oh, God! God did not control it. Is that how you're going to feel? We say, well, it is better for me for some some spiritual reasons. And then you can go through all this. I'm a stranger and pilgrim on earth. It doesn't matter. So what if I die a teenager? It's better. Next. Tanya, is it better to die as a teenager? Yes. Yes. <laughs> Are you in your right mind? <laughs> wait. wait. <laughs> Why do you say yes? Like to wait to die as a teenager. Yeah. Why do you say yeah? It doesn't mean it's bad to die as a teenager. Why do you say that? Because people want to live until 100 years old, you know? Well, I mean, um, heaven is a better place than that. Heaven is a better place. If God wants to take you home, then it is better if the will of God be so, right? It's better. So it's not necessarily evil. The problem is this. We get convinced by the world of what is better, right? So if things don't turn out like the world thinks is better, whether it's a school results, whether it's friendships, whether it's jobs, we think it is not good. So that is the key point, alright? Now let's move quickly to verse, uh, question number two. Now why did Christ submit to the Father's will? Right? Verse 18. Why did Christ submit to the Father's will? Well, we look at verse 18, very simple. It is the just for the unjust that He might bring us to God. So it is to save us. It is to save us that we may have eternal life, alright? We all know that. The question is, do you really have eternal life? Seriously, friends, when you, I'm not asking you whether you grew up in a Christian family. Do you really have eternal life? Is Christ really your God and your Saviour? Have you really asked Him, right? The just who suffered for the unjust, have you asked Him to forgive you and cleanse you of all your sins? That is the question. Now, now the question is this, what lesson must I learn? When I say I want to be Christ-like, I want to be Christ-like. Well, one of the things to be Christ-like is verse 18. The just for the unjust. The just, the just for the unjust. Now the thing to learn is this. When the Christians suffer, if it brings good to someone else, if it can bring good, spiritual good, for someone else, are you willing to? Are you willing to? Because now it moves from a scenario where, well, for being a Christian, you get persecuted, you, people make life difficult for you. But now the question is this, will you follow Christ's example to suffer as a just for the unjust, to bring good to someone? Maybe you say, well, I do not want to go to street evangelism anymore. Why? Why? Because the last time I went, someone spat in my face. Someone took the track and threw at me. And I feel very embarrassed, very frustrated. I do not want to go anymore. How does this verse help you? Now, in order that we can be saved, Christ was willing to go through suffering. He was spat on. He was beaten. All right? He had everything taken away from him. 
For what? The just for the unjust that we may become saved. Now, Christians, let me ask you, are you willing, are you willing to bear witness for God so that others will come to know Christ? Because bearing witness for God can be, can be a suffering, isn't it? Actually, let me ask. Maybe I move here now. Anna, how can bearing a witness for Christ, bringing good to someone spiritually, be suffering? People might harass you, okay? People might harass you. Um, and why do you want to have a good testimony besides to glorify God? So other people um, see from my life. People see from your life, they come to know Christ, they want to know Christ, right? Now, some may want to, right? In school. Some may say, well, Anna is different. Anna doesn't do this. Anna doesn't cheat in class and all that. Why is Anna like that? Then they say, well, Anna. Oh, because he's a Christian. Then they ask you about Christianity. But others may not feel the same way, correct? But will you continue being so? Well, it depends whether you're willing to suffer so that some may benefit spiritually, correct? What else? All right, Grace looks very intrigued. <laughs> Any example, Grace? Same as your sister, maybe. All right, can't think of any. Okay. Um, at the back, uh, Anna. Yes. Um, what was the question? The question is, is uh, what you learned so fast. Okay. I always get that. What's the question? Now, if, if you... Can you give an example of suffering so that others can benefit spiritually? Christianity is not what she made it out to be. Alright, okay, that's one example. Now, what about suffer losses? Quickly. Uh, Alright, I'll move on. Alright, you have done your part. Alright, next, Jennifer, what about suffer losses? So that others can benefit spiritually. Are you willing? Because that is what Christ did. Do you want to be Christ like? Then this is something that you must do, right? Because Christ did it. Alright, give an, an, an example. You might lose friendships. Okay, they've mentioned some already. Now, what about this? What about this? Tomorrow is exams. No, Saturday, right? Maybe, to, maybe there's going to be exams um, and there's a Bible study on, all right? And you're not prepared. You need the weekend to study as much as possible before Monday comes, all right? But your friend who doesn't have exams, right? says, um, Veronica, I, I want to go to church. You've been telling me about church. You keep asking me to go to church, right? I, I want to go this, this, um, this Friday night. Right? But actually, well, you were intending not to come, which you should not, right? You say, well, maybe this one, I, I don't go, right? Because I, I really need to study, and I, I think if I study a bit harder, I can get A. Now, are you willing to forego that and say, well, I bring my friend to church? That is what Christ did, right? That someone will benefit spiritually, but you, to do that, 
to bring the person to God. Because God says that just for the unjust, that we may be brought to God. You sometimes may suffer some losses. Now, I'm not asking you to waste time um, and give excuses not to study um, and then just keep say I'll do spiritual things to help others right but you must be honest okay so this is an example now my point is this now this is not just not retaliating right so they were taught don't retaliate but here is an example also that you must be willing to suffer loss so that others benefit spiritually you must are you willing to? Maybe ask any other examples. Huh? Maybe ask the older ones um, to the back. Uh, all right, I forget your name. Uh, forget your name. Your name was? Say again? Ryan. No, Ryan's friend. Gen Leong. Gen Leong. Okay. Uh, anything that you can think about? No. Okay, so right, Ryan? Uh, like maybe wait to suffer, or like maybe, um, for example, like I don't know, I just thought of this because maybe it happened to me before. But like maybe like during break times, you wanna hang out with your friends or something at school, but then after some people have like questions about Christianity. I mean, it's not really suffering a lot. But if you have to spend less time with your friends and also the people you want to talk to, and then you have to like answer these questions and help them out. Alright. Now this is an excellent example. I was hoping that someone would say that. Now sometimes to talk to someone, to help them be comfortable in church, or to help them to um, know more about Christianity, you may need to give up what you like to do. Christ left heaven. Right, Christ left um, the worship, the angels that worship. He left that to come to earth. Now, sometimes it's more comfortable after fellowship to straight away gravitate to our own friends, right? Or even before fellowship start to talk to our own friends. But what about new friends, new visitors? What about people who are struggling um, with some things? Now, it means that sometimes you. In fact, I think we should do it often. Break away from what we are comfortable with, what we wanted to do with our friends, to help someone, right? To feel welcome in church, to help someone know things about the Bible when we know the answer, correct? Are you willing to do that? Because Christ for your, for you, for your benefit, did that. God came to die to do that. Alright, so I hope that you think about that. But let's move quickly, alright? Let's move quickly. Question number three. Question number three, still at verse 18. Now, what did Christ's sufferings for the unjust to make them just accomplish? What did Christ's suffering as a just for the unjust accomplish? Look at verse 18. Okay, now this is a very simple question, alright? It's all in the verse. Uh, Caleb, what did Christ suffering for the unjust Bring. Salvation. Bring salvation. Very good. But how does God put how does the Bible put it specifically here? Um, 
Very good. Bring us to God. Christ's suffering as a just for the unjust accomplished this. Now, look at this verse carefully. God says that He did this. Christ did this. That. That means the purpose. Now, Christ, was, Christ has a very clear purpose when He came to die for you. And one of the purposes is here, that He might bring us to God. That He might bring us to God. Now, Caleb, I heard recently, uh, Cornelius, I heard recently your dad brought your camping. Alright? He went through a lot to plan and he did a lot of things that he might bring you all to the campsite. Correct? Bring you to the campsite. Now, when you were at the campsite, was it cold? I heard it was very, very cold. Um, Do you enjoy the campsite? The camping? In the daytime. daytime. Alright? Now, did you appreciate very much your dad for doing that? Even when you were cold? Or did you get there in the middle of the night and get very upset? Dad, why do you bring us here? It's so cold. No? Why would you not do that? Because it will be daytime soon. Because it will be daytime soon. So I just... Okay, hold my, hold my mouth. It will be daytime soon. It will be daytime soon. <laughs> what else? What else? Uh, because it's only light a little bit. Say again? Uh, the cold is not that bad. The cold is not that bad. It, it won't last. It, it won't last forever. Right? The morning will come. Now, it's a good example. Now, when God brings, Jesus brings us to God, God did not promise us a life of bed and roses and no problem. Alright, but the good example is the cold will end when morning comes. The suffering will end when eternity starts, alright? When, when we get to heaven also. Alright, so that's one. Now, but the other thing that I hope that we learn is this. Now, He came to bring you to the Father. Um, God did not say He came to save you. Did God come to save you? Yes, definitely. But it's a very tender way to phrase your salvation. Christians, you must understand. Your salvation is Christ coming to die for you, to bring you, to bring you somewhere, to bring you to the Father. Have you ever thought of it that way? Right? Now, Grace, maybe I'll ask you, since you didn't answer just now. Grace. You are lost. Actually, your family got lost once, right? You were lost, you drove, and then your car got stuck, and then lost in the desert, alright? Very fearful, very frightening, correct? You might die out there, correct? Then maybe your dad went away to try and get some help, okay? And then your dad, then you can't find your dad. Then everyone went away, and then you're alone, okay? It's very scary, very sad. Now, if someone were to bring you to your daddy, someone appears and says, Can you, I'm lost, can you please bring me to my father? And the person goes through a lot of trouble and brings you to your father. When you see your father, what will you do? You're very thankful to the person, okay, good. And when you see your father, what would you do with your father? I will run and I will hug him. 
Alright? This kind of thing, you, you don't need the Bible to tell you. you. You have the answer. You run and you hug him. And probably for the rest of the trip, you're not going to let go of him. Right? Maybe clinging on to him. Right? Now, when God says, I, when Christ come to die as a just for the unjust, now, there are a lot of theology about the just for the unjust, but God wants us to know it is actually that He might bring us to God, lead you to God. You and I can never go to God the Father. Alright? We can never. And we won't know how the way. Even we knew we can't be saved unless Christ saves us. So now the question is this. Do you see your salvation as you now have a fellowship with your Father God in heaven. Alright, so when God saves you, you enter into a permanent relationship. And after that, you can have fellowship with God your Father. Now with that understanding that you're brought, like Jesus Christ said, I bring you to the Father. Here, now you can be with the Heavenly Father. Now with that understanding, what should you learn? Because what lesson should I learn? How should I change? Alright, so now we continue. Matthew, how, how, now you understand my salvation is not just I avoided hell, but my salvation is now I can have fellowship with God in heaven. He's my Father. Bring you to God. Now, how should that change you? What should you how should you feel now about your relationship with God? Like an example, she says she will, she will run to the Father and she will Hug the Father. What about you? Uh, I would like worship Him and spend time with Him. You want to spend time, you want to worship Him, and you want to spend time with Him, right? You want to spend time with Him. Now, when we just, when we don't realize our salvation is about Jesus Christ say, I want you to bring, I want to bring you to the Father. We don't understand it that way. We actually find it a chore, a duty to spend time with God. Isn't it true? It's a duty. Now, what do you mean by spend time with God, Isaac? You do your quiet time and you pray to God. Is that what I say? Right? You do your quiet time and you pray to God. Now it's your quiet time and being able to pray to God on your own. Is it something that you long to do or is it something that daddy and mommy make you do? Or if you don't do it, well, you come to church, your friends will ask you. Because God says, Jesus Christ died for you, the unjust, the just for the unjust. Think about this. In order for you to be able to come to God the Father and be with Him. It took God, the just God, who has no sin, who has no reason to die for you. But yet it says, in order for the unjust, you, to be able to be with my Father, I will come and die as a just one. Now once you think of that, like like Caleb, like Cornelius. My father planned, he took leave, he went through a lot of difficulty, he paid money for this campsite and brought me here. Now how am I going to feel? How am I going to feel? 
I want to treasure this trip. I want to treasure this time, right? So yes. Now once you think of your salvation as now you can be with God. And it took Jesus Christ to die so that you can be with God. I hope that changes your heart whenever you think it's time when I reach home to go and read the Bible. Because how do you spend time with God? You spend time with God by reading the Bible. Because this is God's Word. You read about what He wants to tell you. You're spending time with Him. Reading the Bible is being with God. So if you've been struggling, if you feel, Mommy and Daddy ah, forces me, and uh, tonight when I go back, I still got to read my Bible. Now you think, when I get home tonight, I can, rather than I have to, I can be with God the Father. I can be with Him. It was never possible. It was impossible. But now I can. How do you find prayer? As short as possible. Oh, still just three minutes. I wanted to pray for ten minutes. Just three minutes. Right? Now no longer you, you love to commune with God. You love to speak with Him. You, like, you love to worship Him, praise Him, adore Him, sing to Him. Right? You love to come to church on Sunday to worship Him. It is not difficult anymore. I can be with God. So once you realize, actually, I could never be with God. I could never come into His presence. But Jesus Christ, God came to make it possible through an infinite cost. Now you must think of all these things very differently. It's school holidays now. Who do you, who do you look forward to be with? Is it school holidays now? Now I can spend more time with God than usual. Because now I can be with Him. Do you treasure it? Do you treasure that you can be with God? Or is it? Now whenever you feel, I want to finish reading the Bible quickly as much as... <clears throat> as well, I promise God I will read so many chapters. I want to read that. Then I want to pray. Or I promise my parents that I will do my quiet time. I can't wait for this to be over to be with someone on the social media. To be with someone. To go out to be with someone. Your friends, your classmate. Which one? I think maybe because we don't realize that Christ also once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that He might bring us to God. Take us to the Father in front of Him and say, This, now you can be here. Because we don't treasure that, we don't realize that. We find it a chore. Now cultivate that. It's, it doesn't come naturally. Alright, that is why Christ must say, I bring you to God. Think more about that. What is it like? Tonight when you go back, when you pray to God, your Father in heaven, you must say, Lord, I never realized I can I could this coming to you was never possible if not for Jesus Christ. Now you say it with a different meaning. Now how do you feel if you get separated from your parents for a long time? I remember when I was in Myanmar, in Myanmar, with Brother Alex and other brothers in the mission trip. Night time, the fathers will call home. Brother Alex calls home. Alright, to do family devotion with, the, with their daughters, Jennifer and, and, and uh, Veronica. I still remember, alright. Um, the two of them were fighting for the phone. Fighting for the phone to be with daddy. 
Because daddy is not there and this is the set time where daddy said, I'm going to call you, this is the time where we will talk. They were fighting, screaming. One of them, I won't say who, took the phone and ran around the house. I have daddy. I have daddy to myself. Why? Because you long, you long. You say, I can be with daddy now. Right, that is your quiet time. It's not possible, you know. You see, if not for telephones, it's not possible. But it's possible because of the internet. It's possible. It's possible that I can tonight pray to God. I can read about Him. I can come for Bible studies to hear and learn more about Him. Right? We must see our salvation as Christ bringing us to God. Right? Please remember that. Now, now then, the last one, all right? The last question is what I'll do. Well, actually, very straightforward, this one. Now, did only the Holy Spirit raise Christ from the dead? Because here, if you read in verse 18, um, God being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit. Quickened by the Spirit. Now, who raised God, Jesus Christ, from the dead? Who? Who raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Is it just the Holy Spirit? Now turn to Acts chapter 3. Acts chapter 3, verse 26. Alright, Acts 3, verse 26. Reading, uh, Acts chapter 3, sorry, verse 26, reading, Unto you, first God, having raised up his Son, Jesus, sent him to bless you, in turning away every one of you from his iniquities. So, here the Bible tells us that God, having raised up his Son, Jesus. So, two places in the Bible tells us different things. One, we read, the Spirit raised Jesus. Here, we are told, God raised His Son, means the Father raised Jesus. Now, turn also to John chapter 10. John chapter 10, verses 17. John chapter 10, verses 17. Alright, now let's read 17 together. Therefore, doth my Father love me, because I lay down my life, that I might take it again. Now, verse 18, No man taketh it from me, but I lay down myself, and I have the power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. Now, this commandment have I received of my Father. Now, so, now Christ himself say, He have the power and He is the one who lays down His life and He is the one who take it up. Means He is the one who resurrects Himself. Now, so is the Bible contradicting? Maybe ask, next one. Uh, Josiah. So who raised Jesus Christ? Different places say different things. 
sure. Not sure. All right, Aaron, who raised Jesus Christ? God the Father. Say again? God the Father. God the Father. But we just read in in uh, First Peter, it says, quickened by the Spirit. Quickened means given life, raised by the Spirit. So which one? Uh, Joshua. All three persons. All three persons. Why do you say that? Because he clearly states that. All right. Jesus said, "I will raise myself up." In Acts, which is God's word, also says the Father will raise His Son. In First Peter, we read the Spirit quickened Jesus after He was dead. So, who was involved? Now, when you read the Bible, now some people they read this and say, "Oh, you see, they all are contradicting." No, like like Joshua rightly said, but the Bible simply says, simply says that. So all the Trinity was involved in the resurrection of Christ. Alright, so when you read the Bible, now what I'm trying to say it are two things. One is, well, we have to know, alright? Who resurrected Christ? The Trinity. All three were involved. So understand that. Now the second thing is this: when you read scriptures, alright, Christians, when you read scriptures, do not just read one part. Do not just read one part and says that this is it. And, and if another part says another thing, you say the Bible has contradiction. All right? The Bible has no contradiction. We have to accept what God says. Because it's the same as the Trinity. The Trinity, right? The Bible simply says, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. That they all three a God, but it's one God. We just have to accept what the Bible plainly states. Now, the reason why I bring this up is to say that the Christian must accept what the Bible plainly says. Even if we do not understand with our own limited minds, even uh, even we cannot reconcile things, but what the Bible plainly states, we accept. We accept. Okay? So, um, that's how we must read the Bible. Now, um, I intended to finish a bit early tonight and um, do the next part together because I want to teach this on fr- next Friday. But I want you to turn back to First Peter first. Right? Turn back to First Peter. Turn back to First Peter. Now, this is the question that you go back and think, and I'll ask you next week. All right. Look at verse 19. Um, yeah, verse 19. By which also he went, which is Christ, are he? Is it Christ? Who? But, also, but which also Christ went and preached unto the spirits in prison. So the Bible, alright? The Bible seemed to tell us that The Bible says, now Christ, when He died, what happened when He died? Do you know what happened to Jesus Christ the three days when He died? So some people read this and say, Christ went to preach to the souls, look at verse verse 18, uh, verse 19, the spirits in prison. So there are spirits, there are spirits, alright? There are spirits 
in prison. So they say in prison, so this is hell. So Christ went to hell to preach the gospel. Now, if now I want you also to look at, uh, for example, Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. Right, Ephesians chapter 4, verses 8 to 9. Ephesians chapter 4. Now let's read verses 8 to 9 together. Ephesians 4, 8 to 9 reading. Wherefore he saith, When he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive, and gave gifts unto men. Now that he ascended, what is it but that he also descended first into the lower parts of the earth? Right? Now, he say, so they believe another part of the Bible tells you what Jesus Christ did in those three days and three nights, alright? So, before he ascended, he must descended to the lower parts of the earth, alright? So, he say lower parts of the earth, so he went to hell, right? He went to hell. Now, what do you think? What do you think? If you turn to Acts chapter 2, verse 27. Acts chapter 2, verse 27. Now let's read together. This is a prophecy, right? Reading. Because thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, neither wilt thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption. You see, the Bible tells us that God, the Father, will not let Jesus Christ suffer in hell, remain in hell more than these three days. Right? So, the word hell was used. So, there is this belief, alright, that Christ went to hell. What do you think? Alright? What do you think? So, we'll cover that next week and also learn what are the spiritual lessons. Okay? Lesson to God in prayer.